and welcome to the American Scouser podcast. It's Monday night. We are back. And if the pregame conversation is any indication of how this podcast is going to go, it's going to go south very, very fast. Okay. Uh, with us today, I'm your host, as always, Timochin here in Chicago. And with us, as always, is Gally. Gally, what's going on? Gally's got the old tracksuit thing going, by the way. Do you are you wearing matching pants? And be honest with us. I am not wearing. <laughs> I am wearing pants. They are shorts, oh, but they are not. They are not matching. But if I wanted to, I could go put them on. <laughs> I have the matching Adidas. Uh, Someone's going after that over. managerial opening over at uh, Richmond. <laughs> yeah. Ultimately, uh, I, I I just know that I could dress as well as Klopp in a final, but not as well as Ten Hag. Uh, but clearly better than Pep because he looked like a homeless person from Manchester. Like the most homeless man from Manchester won the cup on the weekend, which kind of made me laugh. Uh, and with us, as always, lucky to just be wearing pants is Paul Bickler. Bickler, what's happening? Speaking of homeless, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, hey, happy Monday. Happy Monday it is. At least we didn't have like a weird, I mean, it was a kind of a weird weekend, but it was kind of like a mostly a non-soccer weekend for me, except a miserable experience on Sunday with Farabache. But aside from that, life is good. Okay, so a lot to get to, uh, but as always, we start with uh, the segment ah, that everybody is here for. It's back. Okay. So we're going to talk about it later on in the show about like the transfers and stuff and McAllister obviously almost done. We even got the here we go tweet and everything. So we're going to get to that. But we will then have a World Cup winning player in our squad. My question to you is, and you can thank Matush, by the way, for this question. Who was the last World Cup winner that played for Liverpool? Paul Bickler, make a guess. Uh, I don't, I don't Torres, Torres, I don't know. I don't know. I'm going Torres, but I don't think it's right. Torres, that's not a bad one. Galley, who do you have? Last player who won a World Cup in the Liverpool squad. That's a tough question. Torres is a good one. This is not Torres. Torres is. Yeah, I don't think it. I don't think it is Torres. I think it was. Yeah. Did Balotelli win for Italy? I feel like he won the Euros, but I don't know that he won the World Cup. Um, I, I, I guess I, Balotelli, but I, I have no clue. Reina. Pepe Reina. Hmm. Because Torres wasn't. I think you're right, though. I think Belotelli won the Euros. Because Torres missed it. He missed it. He wasn't on the World Cup for like. He wasn't on the World Cup team. Yeah. Yes. But Reyna was the backup keeper. Alan is, I mean, this is like the worst guess of all time, probably, is Skirto. So for <laughs> Alan, even Bickler didn't get Skirto. So I don't know what was on. But yeah, it was Pepe Reina um, from that Spain squad. And he was here actually after Torres left. So there is that. Um, well, that's trivia. You guys all wanted it, asked for it. I was asking Gally about topics. And he was like, he listed like 800 things we can possibly talk about. And then he said everything except trivia. So started with trivia. Uh, thanks to Matush for the question this week. 
because uh, he forgot to bring it up in the morning show. So there you go. <laughs> uh, okay, so let's get to several topics to cover. It's the end of the season. At least we didn't have this weekend, that this weekend to worry about. Yali, let's start with you. Give us a grade, like an A, B, C, D, F kind of a scale. Uh, give a grade for the season. And then we'll kind of like talk to back about, you know, our grades and what we think and all that kind of stuff. Well, I mean, I don't think you can give it any better than a C. I don't, I, I mean, we could go D and I could go E or F or whatever you want to say and like really go real negative. But I think C is the right grade for the fact that it was average. There were some mitigating circumstances that we all could have saw and we talked about coming based on how they handled themselves in the last couple of years. That said, they still should have done better than this. They still should have ended up finishing in the top four when we look at two, three results it would have taken to get there. So it has to be just like average to below average. So I'd say like C to C minus. Okay. Bickler, what do you have? Uh, I'll go D. Um, I'm glad you're not your guys. I mean, I think I think our average should be top four, especially when we're playing from it, right? Um, I look at this squad as a squad that missed just a baseline objective, didn't win anything else. Um, mm. I think we made um, a number of transfers, and I don't feel any better about a number of those transfers. Um, like when you look all the way down from like what are we doing with Nunez all the way down to like – what's happening with Carvalho. So yeah, I guess across the board, that's probably where I land. Yeah. that's harsh. I was going with C plus and I think I'm mainly saying C plus I'm doing the, you had a good run at the end of the term. You figured things out. <laughs> you were on the trajectory going up kind of a thing. And probably because the first part of it. So was so miserable uh, in terms of like how it started. But Gally, is that mainly due to expectations? more than anything else on a reg and just knowing not only expectations i guess but just knowing what the squad is capable of individually. well i mean i think it's both i mean it's coming off of a season where we went for all honors and we played in three finals and won two of them and came within a shitty gun to one goal that everyone every time he needs to score city seems to get a goal out of him um, right up till the day he leaves. But like we came from that away from winning a quadruple. So I think that's where expectations start and end with all that being said, we weren't that team and we didn't strengthen on that team. We got older and, and a little bit less healthy and jaded. And then we had a couple bad injuries. We didn't bet in two new players we needed to before the season started, and it kind of never picked up. And then I feel like the World Cup really kind of hurt Liverpool where it helped a lot of other sides. I think it actually kind of hurt us in the way we were going and never really came back together all season. Which is odd, isn't it? Because we were talking about it at the time. We were hoping that it was going to actually help us because, you know, we needed the rest because we didn't get the rest, blah, 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 because the season started early. But And I, I agree with what you're saying. Along those lines, though, Bickler, should we, now looking back, have curbed our expectations a little bit, knowing we're not going to be able to duplicate what we just did? Because, you know, like Galley's saying, it was like an over-the-top, obnoxiously good season. And we got a year older overall. Should we have seen this coming? I guess the club didn't. 
I mean, predicting it and expecting it, I think, are two different things because I would have expected we should have seen this in the summer and then strengthened, right? I mean, because we could feel this. We, I mean, Gally and I have kind of talked about this at length, I feel like, on here about how we saw this decline from the March of the previous year, really when Luis Diaz was the only one dragging us over the line. It was a, it was a dead team. So I mean, I think a lot of us could have predicted this if we didn't make additions, but I think we all expected additions. And I think that's, that's where my anger and frustration was at the beginning of this season. It's just because like we all knew going into the summer, like, when Klopp was talking about we already have eight midfielders, we know that like maybe three or four of those are regularly available. And, and I just think, um, I think that was the frustrating part for, for me. Well, Gally, let me, I mean, obviously there's no way of knowing this, but if this summer in terms of length was available to us last summer, you think it would be a whole lot different if we had that extra month or whatever without games for these guys, you think it would have made a difference in terms of, not being as tired because we felt, you know, as the play declined, we were like, well, what do you expect? They're running in all lanes and, you know, they're getting tired and tired. You think that month, instead of being, you know, last season, because we started early, obviously it was a shorter summer. Not to mention we were in the final. We played like the very last game possible of the season and stuff. You think it would have made a difference or the problems were much bigger than a month would make? I mean, do I think a month would help? rest legs and give you a little fresher side i do do i think it would have masked over all the issues and flaws of this team probably not i mean this team is basically was flawed from the jump when you really looked at it because it didn't have enough people in the midfield to actually support what it wanted to do and it had too many new pieces up front especially as soon as jota and diaz got hurt it had it now you just relied on everything new and we didn't even have gakpo yet and when you really look at like how lucky we were to get Gakpo in January and embed in like he did and actually give us an impact as much as he did the second half, it's probably a big part of your C plus, right? Yeah. And like I, I'm probably not grading enough of it on that, like the the positive at the end. But I just think when it comes down to this team, you looked at their flaws and their flaws outweighed the optimism. And it's the first time, honestly, since like Klopp's first year, I could say that about a team and a side. And I think if we were honest with ourselves, we would have said that even in August, even though I was dumb enough to like say they'd win the league in my predictions because I just wanted it to happen. But like the truth of the matter is we should have saw this coming more. It should have been easier to see. The writing's been on the wall. They needed to make moves and they didn't. Yeah, we're going to do a Premier League show soon, uh, kind of like going over the – the predictions we did for each team and where they ended up. And yeah, that should be an interesting one. There's a lot of wrong guesses in there for all parties involved over here, but hey, there's a lot of right ones too. So we'll, we'll go over that. And that should be interesting to revisit. I know uh, Matish and I on one of the Monday morning shows revisited our predictions in the discord channel and yikes. Okay. So Bickler, let me ask you this 22, 23 season, uh, 10 years from now, when you're sitting in your box under the bridge <laughs> and looking back on this year, what are you going to like? How will you remember this season? Are you going to remember a certain moment, certain thing? Like, how will this more like season? Will I honestly, man, this is this is sounds really like dramatic, but it, like, I'll I'm going to view it as a systematic failure, like across the board, because like I feel like this season was a hundred percent 
predictable and it was 100% avoidable. And we just failed to address key areas in this team. And I think that comes down to like, I think it comes down to a manager who doesn't like change and doesn't like to force change and wants to like hold on to the things that he loves. And I think it comes from a disconnect at the board level to hold Jurgen accountable to bringing in pieces. And I think it's like all the way up to ownership. Like just there seems to be since, you know, especially since Ward has left, there seems to be a real disconnect internally. And I, I don't know where that's coming from, but I just think, there's been a failure across the board to cohesively work in the same direction with the same sort of uh, approach to this. And I think that's what, you know, when Liverpool was great and we were hitting on every transfer, it was, it seemed like everything was moving in unison. And then since then there's been a disconnect. So 10 years from now, you're going to be just as angry <laughs> as now. Like when you look back on the season, is it just, I'll be disappointed. I'll be really year? disappointed. Okay. This team, fair. this team was in a position to strengthen, and it got worse. That's fair. I mean, I think it will be like a year. What you know, when I look back, yeah, it will be more of a, yeah, that was freaking disappointing, man. That whole season, and kind of like how Alex says, I think that I'm gonna probably only remember that out of the season because it is so historic and it is United, and I can still rip on it uh, with my brother about it. So it's kind of like I'm going to be like, yeah, despite sucking and being disappointing that year, we still beat their uh, 7-0 is probably how I'm going to remember it if I'm still alive in like 10 years. How about you, Gary? Well, one, I hope you're still alive in 10 years. Let's, let's, just, so, yeah. let's just put that <laughs> out here. here. For, for Angie, your daughters, for you, for me and Paul, for all of our sakes, I hope you're still alive in 10 years. Um <laughs> I don't know if I hope we're still doing this on Monday nights, but I hope you're still alive. Uh, what will I think of this season 10 years from now? I I think like Paul, I'll, I'll be a little disappointed and it'll, it'll gut me a little bit that this team wasted a season, like that this club wasted a season of Mo Salah scoring 30 goals, like wasted a half season of getting – Cody Gakpo and maybe even figuring out how to use Nunez earlier. Cause maybe a manager changes up tactics to fit players, you know, like I think I will, I'll, I'll, I'll question why we use the roster we did this season, the way we did, you know, we had Carvalho half the year and never played him and complained. We didn't have midfielders. Then any time anyone said he was an attacking forward, the manager would say he plays in my midfield. He's I bought him to play in the midfield. Well then, why didn't we play them all year when we needed midfielders? Like there were, there were questions about this season from a squad size, from a management side, and we we talk about all these things. So like that part of it, I think is just it could be an angering year where it could come out as a positive, right? Seven nothing win against United will always be a great thing, and we don't know what's going to happen with Curtis Jones, but we saw one of the great runs literally of a player in the last like four or five seasons over the last 10 matches for what Jones did from where he came to where he finished and everything he did in between and the improvement and like the foundation you lay as a young player trying to like make a statement in a club. And if this kid turns out to be a star or a starter eventually, then maybe that's the silver lining of this season is Curtis Jones bedded in as a regular at Liverpool at 23 or 24, and to me and Paul's point, finally grew the fuck up and decided to, like, be a professional along with wearing them 
crazy ass pants <laughs> in that picture with Dr. Dre. And and that's because this skinny guinea from New England is envious that son of a bitch met Dr. Dre. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think the common feeling is like a disappointment. You guys are a lot more sold on Jones than I am. I'm, I'm not saying I'm just uh, I'm trying to find a good thing. No, I hear you. I'm, yeah, <laughs> You can't take the pants as the good thing. Got it. <laughs> but can't I think, look. yeah, I mean, apart from that, that's probably why I'm taking the seven zero out of it. And you know, we kind of we talked about it mid season. I was like, hey, that's the year we did that fundraiser. Is probably how I'm gonna kind of like go back to it too, because that was that was quite the experience. And it is over now with Anfield Shops last day too. So special thanks to them again uh, for kind of like helping the cause and like doing that day, the last day of the seasons. Uh, proceeds going to the same cause as well. So uh, it was like a good experience overall. A lot was learned, that's for sure. Uh, and hopefully it won't be our last fundraiser. We will use our powers for the good. Um, sadly, I'm sure there will be things that will require our assistance and help and everything. Uh, so let's talk about, and I think that going back to what Bickler was saying, I think we almost got used to, for the most part, over like a three season at least period three summers or at least maybe like three to four transfer windows where we hit on every single move we did it felt like and that kind of like started going away we started bringing in pieces like we would bring a piece that would just be like Loop, just go into the puzzle and just fill in everything you needed whereas this last summer we brought in some pieces and it was just like uh, is this even for this puzzle like you're like looking to see where the hell it would go so hoping this off season which should be a big off season now will be the difference and we will get some right moves happening there so let's start with that talked about it a little earlier and if we do get him he will be our World Cup winner on the squad over here. We even got the tweets. So, McAllister, almost done. Sadly, it's never official till it is official, Galley. But what do you make of it? I think, especially with the price coming out being a lot less than we expected, makes this almost like too good to be true in some weird way. Yeah, I, I think the price is great for the upside and the talent that you have an opportunity to get. Um, there's some questions about where he fits and how he plays. I think he's Tiago's replacement. I think he walks into the lineup and starts on the left-hand side, and that's his job in that midfield. Uh, I think there could be a tactical formation change, but we've been, what, saying that since, well, the beginning of time, and there won't be. So we'll see what we do with it. But I, I, I think he checks a lot of boxes. He's young. He's athletic. And, you know, Messi said after the World Cup, he was technically one of the best midfielders he had ever played with. And he was shocked because before the World Cup, he didn't know his name, um, which is why I love Messi, because he says things like that in quote, and he means it. And I think he did mean it. And I think the kid's really, really good. And I think when you put him around great players, he's going to get even better. And that makes it like what you said kind of makes it tricky for me as we're going to talk about some of these other players that I like we we're rumored with is uh, we almost assume, and I know less of all people, the next one up is the Mr. Negative over here, I'm going to ask, but Bickler, uh, we almost, we kind of assumed this last year, right? We saw the transfers coming in and we tried to make sense of it because we were like, well, maybe the puzzle is changing. It's going to be a whole new puzzle kind of a deal. And we said it's going to be four, two, three, one and stuff. Knowing that club wanted everybody in early, they didn't want to travel. 
does that imply that maybe we will get those changes in? Because we thought that it's really hard to evaluate the new talent coming in because you don't know where they will fit. I I don't think we have a choice. I, I don't know how this is. I mean, I mean, I guess we could choose not to. I, I think you're forced to just seeing what this squad needs and how it's going to how dramatically there's going to be need to be blooding some quality into the side. So I, I I think the one thing that I like with the Callister in totality is that if you look at him and where he's played, he's played as a six, he's played as a 10, he's played across a midfield four. He, uh, he's literally played in, in not just like, Oh, he's had one game at the 10 or one game at six. They've consistently moved him all over that lineup, including a double pivot with Casado. So, so I, I, it, it's going to be very. I, I think it's an interesting, almost of jack, almost like a jack of all trades. Like it, he's going to have that almost availability uh, to move around like you would Milner in his prime. Like he, you can literally go just about anywhere and do just about everything. I still have a little bit of. I, I still have some questions about how he fits. Like how how is he going to perform uh, with this system defensively because of how demanding it is? But I mean, I think he's young enough and, and tactically gifted enough to adapt his game too. And I think that I think it makes a lot of sense in the fact that if you got to go out and get a foundational piece for this transfer class, you want it to be a guy that doesn't matter what's coming in behind him; he can move around. So, Gally, let me ask you this then. Does the fact that Klopp wants more time and wants is that because he wants to implement a change, kind of like was I was Bickler, or he wants to be able to pound these pieces into the places they don't fit? He just needs more time, knowing that this is probably going to be an off season where we bring the highest number of players we brought in in a long, long time. It's usually we add two or three or something. I mean, I think it's a mixture, honestly. I think it's, you know, right in the middle. I think, honestly, what it comes down to is is he wants guys. He knows that he has to do something he's not comfortable with, which is trusting brand-new players to start from day one. Like, he he's going to have two, maybe three new midfielders on opening day next yeah. year, in my opinion. At least two. And he's going to also have to bench his captain. Like, he has a big summer ahead of him from, like, a man management standpoint, which is why I think he wants an early camp with Team Kumbaya. That's why he wanted to take him to Germany or Austria, and he wanted to keep him close and tight, and he wanted one of his, like, we're going to sleep in college bunk beds, and we're going to we're gonna say Kumbaya. We're going to ride the bikes to practice and all the things Klopp loves to do with their crazy helmets, you know? If only fucking James Pierce could be running behind him, like begging for autographs down the fucking runway. But uh, no, it's it's. And I think and I understand why he wants to do that. Right. He wants that because I think he needs that. And he knows with all these people coming, you're going to have to go out and sign other players. You're going to have to. So McAllister, I mean, we had this thing last season and really didn't get to use it much. Being making the most of it in the morning coffee show. So let's put this up over here in terms of our rumors. Anyway, from real deal to bullshit with all kinds of things in between. McAllister is, I would think right now, as very likely. Where do you put that one, Bickler? Yeah, very likely. I think it's. It seems like it's basically done. 
Agreed, Gally? Yeah, I mean, his, his family's talking about it. His dad's negotiating contracts. I think it's done as, as done can be. He said goodbye to the Brighton fans. I mean, they're just waiting to announce it. Okay, so let's move on to a couple of things. So I just want to, like, throw out the name. You guys tell me where you put it, and then uh, we'll talk about a bit about the name as well. Gally, let's start with you. Kone. Manu Kone. Uh, I, I'll put it in the could happen because he's from the German league. He has a medium price tag. Um, we know the new sporting director understands the talent in that league, and we know Klopp respects the league from its physicality and how it translates to the Prem. So I'll say it could happen. I don't know anything more than that. Okay. Would you want it to happen, or is that the part you mean I really don't know? Because. I mean, I've, I've watched a little bit. I've watched a little bit of the Bundesliga this year and saw some play. I understand why people compare him to Bellingham and say that there's an opportunity for him to be a Bellingham-esque player and an alternative to Bellingham, which I completely understand. Maybe he comes in and and unseats Henderson. I personally think you might need a little bit more than that. All like finished product to come in and actually push your club captain aside. And I think that's what you need from that player that you're signing. Cause I think that's what you'd be signing to do play the right-hand side of the midfield. Bickler, Connie, where are you placing him? Uh, I think we've got a pot of like six or seven guys that were probably seriously interested. And in. I think he's firmly in that. I would, I, I mean, especially with the sporting director's pedigree, uh, I would put it right. And that could happen. And uh, I know that players personally high on Liverpool. I think it was a team that he followed as a youngster. So I'll put in that could happen. Do you guys put a lot of stock into that just out of curiosity? I personally don't, but I just want to see, like, do you guys think it matters as much for somebody who's a professional now? I mean, if all things being equal, I can see it tilting that way. But like when you see a guy wearing the Liverpool shirt when he was five, is it like, yes, we got it. You I mean, don't we have – of watching Brazilians go to Spain to prove that that has some sway, I would think. But I think that's a called kind of different ordeal, isn't it? Like they kind of like idolize that league and those two teams like growing up as opposed to Liverpool versus, I don't know, like City or Chelsea or whatever. I think it comes down I, mean, to... I, I, I personally don't think it does as much unless all things are equal, but that's why I was asking what you guys think. I think when it comes down to it is if all things are equal and I can sign with Manchester United or Liverpool and I grew up loving Liverpool and money is equal and terms are equal, then I probably go to how Liverpool. How equal does it have to be, I guess? Like how much of a tilt do you guys think? It I, I, I think you give a little tilt to passion and loyalty, but at the end of the day, they're professionals. So they're going to go where they have to go to do their business. But I think it still has something where if a player says, I grew up rooting for that club, I'd say they're probably going to like take the phone call if they reach out about asking about coming yeah, to the club where maybe if, you know, Roma reaches out and you never wanted to live in Rome, you'd be like, you know, go fuck yourself, Josie. Like, you know what I mean? Like there's some of those. And I mean, look at how we treat to Ant poor Anthony Taylor, poor Anthony Taylor. Oh, Anthony Taylor. Who would have thought you would say that? Ever. Um <laughs> no one ever said that. Except for me, just now. Actually, since you mentioned it, Paul, kind of like let's go about go back to that because I don't know if you talked about that as much. The sporting director, um, 
I mean, you look at his experience and it looked like it would be more valuable in a summer like this, where he will probably go after, you know, like lower price gems. That's more his specialty than making like big deal signings, major signings is finding these guys that are in the Bundesliga, especially because of his experience that are 15 to 40 million, but that can turn out to be that 80, 90 million player instead. Yeah, I mean, I think we just completely exposed our strategy this summer. Um, and it's a little <laughs> disappointing because it means we're not going after people that cost like Bellingham. Like, we're just not. I mean, that's not what this guy does. This guy <clears> – and I think this is going to be really interesting long-term. I don't think this is a long-term hire. I think this is like a 24-month deal. Um, just my sort of suspicion because – this dude has very little experience outside of the Bundesliga. He has very little experience with clubs that have big payrolls. He's used to managing clubs that are trying to avoid relegation in the Bundesliga who are financially strapped and need to build out into a position that pays out on the table. Like, so he is almost uh, like he, you know, we have these big Sam managers that keep people out of the relegations. He's the version. He's like the, basically the sporting director version of, of that on the financial side. So it's like, it's a little concerning to me just because he doesn't have a lot of experience outside of that one league. Um, he's obviously got good connections for scouting and stuff outside of the league, but I just worry about from an experience standpoint and from like, what does this look like for a club the size of Liverpool and a guy who hasn't managed this type of money? Yeah. It almost like does kind of give away our strategy in terms of, or at least what we will do financially. And we're not going to be in for maybe the big names. And honestly, in terms of big names, we were mainly after Bellingham. I mean, there weren't a lot of other huge names being thrown around anyway. Uh, but does it make it look like we're going to be really going through the Bundesliga with a fine comb and get every young talent out of there, Gally? I mean, I understand that we, we were... Um... Excuse me. Link with the defender and um, with seven names that starts with V, which probably means he's Dutch. Vicky uh, Vandervin. Yeah, Van Den Van 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 Veer. But his first name is Vicky. It's about eight different Van Den Veers, and then and then at the end, someone tells me he's a goal scorer, and he only scored one goal. But <laughs> I look at things when I look at the way that that we're making moves. I mean, the Thurum kid is from the French league. I think there are players coming from other areas as well. So I think they're also in for a few different players from both the championship and um, Premier League sides. You know, they seem to be interested in the kid from Southampton, the former city player there, Lavia, the midfielder. So there's a few different ones. I'd like to see him just go get the Ramsey kid from Aston Villa overpay and just make it happen. For me, he walks in, he becomes Henderson, and you get 10 more years. And you there's might a, end there's up with a player with a lot of similarities to Bellingham, too. That's kind of where I was there. He's like the cheapest version you could get of him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I, there's a lot of different options out there, I think, right now. And I don't think it'll just be the Bundesliga. I think we like to poke fun, and it's easy to. I think we may sign a few players there, but I do think we're going to end up with four or five new signings, and I think they're going to be from all across Europe. 
Yeah, I mean, you would think the guy is like, I only watch Bundesliga, even though he's like a sporting director. It's like, I don't watch, I don't pay for cable or something. But uh, you would think his main experience is going to be there. And I feel like we will get some signings out of this. But is it? it's just odd to me that, you know, we would yeah focus on somebody that's experience is basically this, finding diamonds in the rough kind of thing. So let's go back to our dial over here, since you couldn't even give his name except the V's involved in it. Mickey Van der Van. Out of Wolfsburg, um, where do you put this, Bickler? Do you know much about the player? Where are we at with this? I mean, there's there's not a lot of play. Like, I mean, it, it fits the profile, right? I mean, he's yeah. got position versatility. He's young. He's coming from a league they know well. Uh, I I I think it's another one that could happen. I'm probably more on the middle on this one than I am on the the, the midfielders, but uh, I, I think it could happen. Yali? I'm going to put it at doubt it, and that's because you can't sign everybody, and I've said basically very likely or could happen on all the other players so far and even throughout other names. Um, no, I'm going to say doubt it for a couple of reasons, and, and one being the fact that you have to then tell me that Matip – and possibly Gomez are leaving, or at least Gomez, or at least Matip's leaving. And there are a lot of people that kind of feel like he might just see out the last year of his contracts, what we like to do, just let guys walk for free. And I wouldn't be that surprised if they did. And the reason I say it is I think that there's a lot of reasons we're not going to sign a fifth center back. We sign a center back, it's to become like, one of our top four center backs, in my opinion. I think the fifth center back can be filled in a variety of different manners. Like playing Fabinho and Henderson, <laughs> as Klopp likes to do. But and this is what I mean when it gets tricky, because we don't know if there's going to be formation changes and stuff like that, because it does seem like Bickler, kind of like Galley is saying, getting a center back as the fifth one, and with all these changes, I mean, we talked about, you know, keeping players on their last year contract and how much money it kind of loses us. But in some ways, when you're bringing in so many players, you almost want to have some kind of a stability. And if you can keep certain players, you want to keep them. Does Gomez being able to play right back and stuff or the possibility of maybe being three in the back make this more plausible than maybe normal? Sure. I also think that being I, I also think that being English is probably the primary thing. Like uh he's young, he's English, he's got position versatility. So yeah. I mean I I think the real thing is what makes sense for Joe, right? Like does Joe want to push for an English spot? Does he does he want to be playing somewhere else? Because I think we were talking last year, last summer when we expected he might move, like because it makes sense from a career standpoint for Joe. So, um, yeah, I, I could see him going. I could. Um, I don't know. We'll probably wind down Matip Scottrek, but I could see if we got a good uh, – if we had an opportunity and we had somebody lined up, I could see that potentially happening too. But I think Joe is m- much more likely to go. I just feel like we, what we really need, in my opinion, is a left-footed – like we've talked about this, right? We need a left-footed center back. Mickey Rundavan. Well, that can ultimately be the long-term replacement for Van Dyke, possibly, with Kanate as a partnership. Or, you know, to be fair, offers cover for 
Robertson because if we're going to play this new formation with Trent tucking into midfield and pl- basically playing with a back three, as soon as Andy Robertson becomes a left-sided center back, he's a completely different footballer and worth a lot le- like to your side. So you might as well put a defender in there, to be on- totally honest, that actually defends on that side of the ball and makes you more stable at the back. Cause how many times this year did we call out kind of poor positional awareness, dropping off, creating, you know, off situations and kind of goals coming from out of that side. So I think this formation doesn't actually bode well for a 30 year old marauding left back. Yeah. And I'll be honest, like, you know, I think the biggest reason like we've kind of been exposed more on that side on the left-hand side, more than Robo's decline. I don't think Robo has declined as much defensively. I think Van Dyke's decline has not been able to cover fair stakes in the past. I, you know what I mean? Like, I think in the past, Van Dyke had the speed and the control overall and the confidence to be able to cover a lot easier. It didn't get as exposed. How many times, like, did you see Van Dyke, you know, clearing the ball or cutting the ball off and stuff? And then just barking at Robertson for one reason or another. I think this year we just didn't have the same Van Dyke to be able to cover that. But let me ask you this then, Gally, since you're big on kids. If you are Joe Gomez's dad, what are you recommending? Are you saying take the sign, go to the stand? No, are you saying, you know, go play in a team where you're going to play and, you know, maybe get to the national team or fight for your spots on this team. And then now you might get some opportunities as a right back too, because we really don't know what's going to happen with Ramsey to be fair. It probably starts with son, meet fast women and don't get married. But um, <laughs> second part of the recommendation is probably go find yourself a place to play and make yourself a career. Because there's a place for Joe Gomez to play football every single week. That might be Aston Villa and a really good side competing to be in Europe. To be totally honest, I wouldn't be shocked if Eddie Howe was interested in him coming to fight for a spot to play at Newcastle. He has the talent. There was a time he was the second best center back in the best partnership in the Premier League. And that wasn't even a question, and it was going to be his job for the next 15 years. And who knows? There's still a chance he could fight to work his way back to I, – I honestly believe at times this year, him and Kanate were the best center-back partnership I saw yep. at times. But then he'd make one mistake, and the entire fan base would just jump on his back. And it's like he's a whipping boy. And it's he's, he's almost moved to the point where, as his dad, you started this with that question – the answer would be get out of there because I don't think they appreciate you as much as you appreciate being there. I think so. I, I'm on the same page there because I think, yeah, he does not get up. He's become the new Lauren, basically, after Lauren. He's probably the guy who regrets Lauren leaving the most. Anti-racist Lauren. Yeah. <laughs> so, Bickler, how about you? If Joe Gomez was one of your three, what are you doing? What are you telling him to do? I mean, I, I think I think Gally nailed it. I mean, it's I, I think he does get blamed for a lot of things. Or I think we're just hypercritical of his play in a way that we're not of anybody else back there. Um, I mean, I, nobody is sitting there 
Like if you were to put his play and Verge's play side by side, you'd see two very different reactions to the same plays. Yeah. Um, and I think that's I, I think that's like the part that we have to be really careful of as supporters. But yeah, I mean, I, I'd be the, like for me, like I always want my kid to be happy, but I want him to be playing too. Like I mean, as a dad, I want to see him enjoying and having those big moments, and that he's a part of in a way that's different than sort of the passive passenger that you are when you're, when you're not playing. Um, so yeah, I, I'd, I'd probably, my advice would probably be to move on and be, be somewhere where you're playing. Yeah. That's a tough one. Cause yeah, ultimately you're going to be like, dude, dude, what are we going to do? What are we going to, is going to make you happy. And if he likes the current environment and he feels like he can earn a spot and he likes working with Klopp and stuff where he's won everything, maybe he doesn't mind it. I think, you know, like going back to what you were saying, Gally, I don't know if he would want to fight for a spot, but like you said, I think there are a lot of teams where he just like walks into the starting lineup uh, as a center back. And even when he was his best, like Gally was talking about, when we had that back four, Whatever happened defensively would automatically get blamed on Gomez. It was never oh, like it was never Trent. And then that's another thing. Trent is probably upset that Gomez is gone because now that Gomez is gone, everything just goes on Trent. So the fans basically go from one guy to the other. So they're like, can we bring Gomez back? And Gomez is like, can we bring Lauren back? So I get rid of like this, the scrutiny. And, but- and Lovren and Lovren's like, where's Sacco? Where's that crazy ass Sacco guy? That dude made everybody forget about me because not only not only did he make mistakes and look gangly and act all kinds of stupid, he looks no, before too. before Lover and it was Moreno. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. yes, Moreno. That's the thing. Like fans always pick one guy in the back line, and regardless of what happens, he's yeah. at fault. There's and always somebody, the right? There's right always back. someone to blame. Yeah. There'll be a new one next year. Yeah, it'll be maybe it'll be Mickey. That was for a while. That was an incredible pairing, though, because Moreno was on Lovren's side, and so it was just absolute shenanigans for, <laughs> for at least sixty-five of the ninety minutes on the left side. Uh, last one I want to go over is that's mainly, and then I'm gonna kind of like open it up for you guys. Is the Thuram dude from France? Where do you put this Bickler? Let's start with you on this one. Well, I did. now I'm all self-conscious about putting could happen, but I mean, this is another one that makes sense from a standpoint of he plays a similar system. He's a tall dude. I mean, I could see it happening. Yeah, he's in the price point. He's in the age bracket. He makes a lot of sense for what we need. I definitely think he's one that could happen. Like I said, these are these players that we're talking about are all in that same six or seven player pot. I feel like of, of players that we've been seriously interested in. That makes sense. Okay, let me. Uh, how about you, Gally? Let's uh, cover this yeah. with you first before moving on to the general one. I'd, I'd put him in the could happen as well. I think this one's uh, this one makes more sense to me in some ways than the Kone deal, just because of his player profile, his size, kind of some of the attributes he has, you know, um, the fact that he plays predominantly with his right foot and that he could probably, he would be the, you know, kind of bedded in long-term solution to Henderson. So it looks like a succession plan to me between him and McAllister. Then you work on the base, whether that's a year from now or signing, you know, Caicedo, Gravenberch, all the other names we've thrown out there in the past. So out of these three, if you only picked one, who do you pick? Galley. Overall, one? 
All, well, all I, these I, last I, three names we mentioned, Thuram Kone and Mickey Van Der Van. Uh, who do you? I like saying Mickey Van Der Van. We should sign him. That you one do like that. Just yeah. for that reason, I'm going to say Mickey Van Der Van. <laughs> but yeah, like who would you, like, let's say you only have one choice. You're like, okay, I guess we'll get this guy. I would go with Thuram. Okay. I think he has the highest upside of all three players. I think Kone might be the best player right now, but I'd go Thurum. How about you, Gally? Uh, I mean, I'll go, it's cool. I'll answer for Gally. Uh, I will uh, ask Gally go with Thurum. I think he makes the most sense in terms of profile. And no, yeah, no, I, uh, yeah, I agree. I agree with Gally. I think uh, I do think he makes the most sense. Uh, you're only missing the. It probably yeah. means that. It probably means that Kone goes to Bayern Munich and is the player of the year in the Bundesliga next year. Makes sense. I was actually going to say Kone. I think, you know, having from what I've seen, it feels like it would be more exciting. But at the same time, he I watched some highlights of him because I don't watch Bundesliga as much. Uh, so I kind of like watch a couple of videos and stuff. He does some shits, Diago like right in front of the box. And I want to see another video of him where that ball is lost right there in front of his own box as opposed to where he pulled off the move and stuff. They don't make a lot of YouTube clips with that. So that's the only thing uh, I worry about. But it has, he has a huge upside, and I think physically very talented. So, I mean, I think we agree that either one of these three, since we put him where we put him in the dial, we'd be totally happy with the signing if it's made official, right? Okay. So going back to the style, give me a name that we have not covered, that you have heard, that excites you, and you want to put it – as left as possible. Bickler. Why do I always have to go first? Uh, I asked Gally the last one. It goes in order, man. Kind of, sort of, mostly. Okay, so it's not going to happen, right? But I really liked the Ugarte kid that is looks like he's going to go to PSG. Yeah. I really did like him. Um, that was probably the one that I wanted. Obviously, my number one was spelling him, which we don't have to talk about. Thanks. Uh, and then I would say that, like, uh, I, I think one that nobody's talking about, I think that is on the radar that I think would be good is that Levi Colwell kid who was a Chelsea Academy prospect. Um, he's a really talented center back. I think he would be a really nice pickup. And he was a Liverpool fan from what I read somewhere. I can't remember what I saw that. How about you, Bickler? No, I'm just kidding. How about you, Gail? <laughs> Um, actually, you know, Brian Shelton just made a comment in the thing. I was going to say it, it. If you gave me a choice, like you told me, like me and Paul have been saying forever, we need right-sided attack. And if you told me like you could walk out with Chiesa from Juventus playing for Liverpool and being another attacker, I'd be like, that's just glutton for punishment and, you know, riches. Um, so I would, I think Chiesa would be a fun name to say, but I think someone that we might actually be in for, like, you know, there's we're going to need to get some low-level midfield slash attacker, and I think there's got to be one of those, like, Premier League players. So I had mentioned the kid Lavia from Southampton that went down. Um, you know, I don't want a Yuri Tillemans on, on a free. I think that should I know where you're going with this. I know where you're going with this. Yeah, I'm not going there. I'm not going to go. You no, know, you are. You're going to that, the leads, dude. No, I'm not, not going to. Whatever. Yes, you are. 
there are there are leads dudes we could go to, but we won't go there. No, I, I genuinely think there are players out there that we might see come through. You know, we all joked about the Jared Bowens two years ago and how we missed that train. Like, I think if you do want to get a player, sometimes you strike when the iron's hot. And it is when teams go down or they come up, right? And it's one or the other. And I don't think there's any player coming into the Premier League anyone's chasing. But I think there might be a few players on, you know, Leeds United, on uh, Leicester City, more importantly, that might spark some interest. And I think you could see some of those players pop up on our radar. I mean, you would guess that for the most part, unless it's somebody willing to sit behind for quite some time, we would not make a signing for the front unless we are losing someone, right? Would you guys expect to lose somebody out of there, like Jota or something like that, that would bring some money? Because I feel like unless we... You know, any name you talk to looks at this front line right now, and we don't know what the formation is going to be and stuff like that, but aside from being... Mo's backup, who never comes out of games, even when it's like you know, like it's like goes like hundred minutes. Um, I think it's going to be hard to convince anybody to come over there and promise some minutes, right, Beckler? You think so? But also, it could be a young, motivated player that thinks he has an opportunity to get into a side with the player that's aging. You know, Mo, I mean, I think Mo is maybe he's going to defy time to some some degree, but you got to ask how many years he's going to be able to do that. How about you, Gally? Like, would you be shocked to see a front signing of significance? Let's put it that way. Without someone leaving, I would be because I think you have to go into next season figuring out a way to get more out of Darwin. And I think that's like the conundrum that is the offseason. They have to figure out how they utilize him with Gakpo and Diaz and Mo and Jota and three new midfielders. And it's they got a lot to do. Like, I think that's the biggest question, but I don't think we see a brand new signing. That's why I wanted Mason Mount so much. Cause he was basically Henderson's replacement and you play in the number eight role. And then you just push him forward when you want to play Henderson on a random midweek match. And he can let Mo rest cause he can play the right side of attack in the Premier league. And that's why he was just, for me, Mason Mount was like the perfect fit. And it doesn't look like that's going to happen. So, okay. So we move on and we go get, you know, other targets. So for me, that's why he was such a good fit. Cause I thought he, he gave you two different. He, he solved two problems in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, all three of us were kind of like big on the possibility of, I think more than actually most others, we all three of us wanted it for pretty much the same reasons, but does the price that's being talked about now seem a too, bit too steep for what you would be getting, Pickler, for Mount. Because they're talking about like 80. Is like what I read today, for example. I I mean, that's just we it. so There's so many variables. It's so hard to be able to, like, because I have no much money. We're like, I don't know how much money we're sitting on, how flexible we are with that actual kit. So, like, my thing is, is like, a player like Mason Mount, I believe he's one of the few that's probably worth the big money you throw at him because of what he means for the side from a pivot, positional versatility standpoint, coupled with quality. Like he can play them all and start in them all. Like, right. um, so, but then again, if we're going to get him and we can't get uh, another midfielder or we can't get an additional center back, like if it cuts one of those 
other needs, then that's where it gets dicey. I don't know. Um, I to me he was to me he was worth it. Um, but to me he's worth it, and I don't know how seriously we approached him. You know, obviously people are like, well, if he's choosing United over Liverpool, then he should go be United. I don't know if we even seriously approached that or what options were put in front of him. So I'm I'm not going to fault him for for looking at what he's got in front of him. But yeah, I would have gone after it. I would have went for the player, but I, more importantly, I understand if the player wants to go play Champions League football and is being told he's going to get a starting role at United and 300,000 pounds a week. And, you know, I don't begrudge him. He's making a big move. He's got to walk away from his boyhood club, which isn't a small club in England, and go to another big one. Like, that's not an easy move. That's a big decision to make. He had a choice. It was Liverpool. It seems like Liverpool... Arsenal or United, he decided on United. I don't think anyone begrudges that decision. I don't know. It, it, to me, this one doesn't feel that. just feels like a kid who had a decision. He made what was best for him. And honestly, maybe he saw himself, his role over there a bit more guaranteed, too. I mean, we're talking about, you know, when we were saying, like, he can back up Mo and stuff. I don't think Mount is like, oh, I can go to Liverpool, back up Mo. Like, I don't think he's, like, really excited about that either. In terms of moves, Alan says, with Saudi Arabia offering billions, what's to stop Mo moving on? Um, I think the answer to that is Mo can still play. Uh, that Saudi Arabia is not going anywhere. Uh, the, and that money is not going anywhere. So you can go there, you know, Mo can go there when he can't sprint anymore, and he would still get those billions because it would be Mo coming there. I mean, Ronaldo, who could not play anywhere, is there. And, you know, bringing his team down, mind you, but people are over there, it's like Ronaldo and stuff like that. And I think that's like the, the biggest thing. That league and the money is always going to be there. It's going to be a new destination for players who are too old. I don't know. <clears throat> the only thing I'd say is everyone said that about China and then the money ran out in China and like Diego Costa got his 85 million for one year and then didn't get paid. Like there's money until there's not money in the league. And right yeah, now they're paying people. A different animal though, man. <laughs> no, but right now, right now they're allowed and are paying people $200 million a year. I mean, uh, Hugo Lloris, as bad as we've clowned on him, he's about to go there and get five hundred thousand pounds a week to play keeper in that league. <laughs> it, no, oh my joking. God. That's why he, he announced like, it. Jelly, like really. <laughs> no, he, he announced that's disgusting, right now. He announced that's he's disgusting. leaving Spurs, and that's where he's going. He's going to the Saudi league. Messi is going to get half a billion dollars to play for one year. That's the that's the next deal that's going to be announced next week. It's like Tuesday they're going to announce it that he's going to the Saudi league, and they just announced the Benzema thing. I think it's legit. I think they're going to literally. It's just like the live golf thing. They want to try to buy market share on TV space because it brings other ventures to the countries. Like I, I genuinely think it has. It's a, this is a much bigger thing than football, in my opinion. And I think it's working. I think that's going to go on. Like I say, I don't see the money drowning there anytime soon. So I think this will be a trend, though, where that's going to be the last stop. I don't see, like, if more. We need to do a summer transfer pod from live from Saudi Arabia. You think we can pull it off? 
Uh, that's what Alan says. Would she move into Saudi Arabia? Fun fact: I lived in actually Saudi Arabia for a year, way back in the day, because my dad used to work for a Turkish company there. Uh, if you think this is fucking hot, that's fucking hot. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure it's changed over the last. I mean, not the heat, uh, but the country probably has changed over the last thirty years or so. But I will pass. No offense to the people who live in Saudi Arabia, but we're good here. Um, okay, so. Brian Shelton is making friends uh, in the in the chat, by the way. And yes, more power to Brian. You can see Brian live in person on Thursday nights and make even better friends with him uh, on here on American Scouts for TV. Actually, head on over to the YouTube station's channel right now and subscribe so you can get Brian Shelton content 24-7. <laughs> How the hell? Bring that up. I mean, I think we have to. <laughs> we right. have to. We have Brian Shelton. Yeah. If you're following us live right now, you can see the person. I mean, yeah, he does. The First of all, stuff. she spelled her name wrong. Right. I just want you to know, Mary, Mary, Mary. Um, we've all seen the National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Like, 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 Mary, no shit. Like, it's like Russ walking up. Like, no line, Russ. Unbelievable. Well played, hey, Mary. Hey, don't be hating. Don't be hating because you didn't get the compliment and the friend request, Gally. Your time is going to come. Don't worry. <laughs> if I had had 35 comments in tonight's chat, I might have gotten that request too. I like the dark turn that it ended with with the three black hearts. I didn't see that coming. Yeah, I didn't see that one coming either. I'm hoping to run you off the road, kill your wife, and also take all of that pork you're gonna cook yeah, up i mean food. if you f listen to us as a podcast uh this should be a great reason by itself to follow us live and comment during the section uh, uh. as we do the comments because we feature the comments obviously you guys like know it's uh if you're following us on youtube and stuff as well or watching us on facebook this just makes it another great reason to do that because you can make friends like brian made one today congrats to brian well we knew this was going to be a shit show from the beginning like i warned you guys and what better way to end it than uh wish brian a merry day <laughs> merry merry any parting words uh bickler <laughs> since you know we you love us doing this uh do you have any parting words for the fans no. out there who do you want to be friends with any fans out there <laughs> no <laughs> no how about you galley throw yourself out there my man <laughs> nah, it's just it's just basically brian have a merry evening <laughs> yes we will end with that mission a merry evening to brian shelton uh hey and you know mary you're in luck because you're gonna get a lot of good smoked meats uh coming out of brian's smoker <laughs> over there so enjoy he's the I'm really glad mary found i'm really glad that mary found the american scouser podcast <laughs> brian says i'm not even drinking which is a first because we know he's like, she probably just walked into the she just walked in like the the internet's version of the creepiest bar in the world <laughs> <laughs> poor mary Oh, that's a great way to end this podcast. Uh, by next week, nothing will be official yet because nobody can sign to the 14th. And I have to say it, but until it's official, I really don't want to like count our chickens over here. But um, I'm hoping there will be a lot more news and a lot more like closer news. We'll be able to move the style a bit to the left over here with some of these names I mentioned and maybe some of the surprises too. Have a great, awesome week. Uh, I'll be back Wednesday morning. 
with the morning show. Stay tuned over there. Do not forget the giveaway. I did forget to mention it as always. Uh, but we have the giveaway going on right now. Mary, you should head on over right there, actually, uh, to our American Scouser on YouTube. Uh, this is going on till the late end of the month over here. You got to subscribe. All you got to do is head on to our YouTube page, subscribe over there, and you're automatically entered to win a brand new home kit in the size of your liking. And you can send it to Brian, and he'll be happy and grateful forever. Have a great week, everybody. Take care, and we'll see you guys soon.